This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. More Than Workers, today we're going to bring up a topic that I know you are all absolutely passionate about and absolutely excited about, and it's this idea of organizational hierarchy. Woo! Woo! All right. Not sound fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our team is excited about it. I don't know if our listeners are excited, but we were all pumped. We just talked for 12 minutes on this before we hit record. (laughs) We we always do a pre-meeting before we start the topic. And boy, did we have a lot of things to say about this topic. So (laughs) we have good examples this time, everybody. We've got really good examples. So what am I talking about when I say organizational hierarchy? A lot of times the idea of hierarchy sounds really negative in business. When I say hierarchy, people go, oh, yuck. That sounds like bureaucracy, right? I don't like think hierarchy is a good thing. But we kind of think it is a good thing, right? There's been lots of experiments of different types of org charts that exist out in the workplace. There's like matrixy kind of work charts where you have different departments reporting to different organizations. And we have people who have multiple bosses. There's all the org charts that have all the dotted lines and what all that stuff means. And then also like, can we even distinguish between the idea of a role of a supervisor versus a manager versus a director versus a vice president? Like what are the difference between those different roles? And what we have found at PeopleCentric is that the old way is actually a good way. Like the org chart should ultimately look like a tree and everybody should have one boss. And so we're going to make the case for that today. We're going to make that argument. So if you are an employee on the front lines listening to this and you feel like you're way, 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 way buried down inside the hierarchy, we're going to talk about why that's not such a bad thing. And then also, if you're kind of in the middle of the hierarchy or at the top of the hierarchy, we're going to talk about why it's so important to establish that and make sure everybody knows what it is. So we're going to jump in here shortly. We've got our whole team with you today. So lucky here. We've got our own Mary Ling. Mary, Mary's got some stuff to say about this topic. Lots. Lots of stuff to add to that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and we've we've got Diana Royalty. Oh. Yo, Diana, you got anything on this one? I mean, yes, tons of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're pretty excited about this one. We've got <laughs> we've got Bethany Taff, who also is leaning in hardcore on this topic. That's right. I love this. Let's Very do exciting. it. Very, very excited. We got myself Don Harkey, not Don Hierarchy, although I do sometimes say it's the Harkey Hierarchy rules. So mm-hmm. you can today you can call me Don Hierarchy. And we also have our host, facilitator, Matt Griswold. Wait, wait. Mary just slow clapped for the Harkey Hierarchy rules. Yeah, <laughs> that's because it was awesome. I did. It went like this. Ah, uh, ha. Huh. <laughs> uh, uh, oh. Uh, hey everybody, it's good to good to be back with you. Thanks for taking us along uh, with you, no matter where you are, in your car, at the gym, you know, where, no matter where you listen to us. Again, I'm just going to put the plug in up front. If you like the content, like the things that you hear on this, share us with your friends. Other people might like us, uh, might like us too, and get the, you know just little tangible tidbits of things that they can do. Maybe take a step forward in their organization, their role, whatever that might look like. And today we are talking about hierarchy. I like how Don framed it with uh, Diana and Mary Bethany. All have great thoughts. 
about this. And then we also have Matt here. So thanks, Don. Uh, I have thoughts about this. I have thoughts about this too, <laughs> but, but it's not about me, right? It's about you guys. It's about you guys. So is it not yeah. about you? Is it I, not? I took a quarter <laughs> no. out of my jeans this morning, Matt. I'm so sorry. It's not, not, not my about me. In the car. Yeah, pennies in the car. Grab, grab, put a quarter and Matt to make him go. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about this. Who's a good Matt? Who's a good Matt? <laughs> Matt, who's a good boy? You're a good boy, Matt. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys. Now I'm better. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this idea of hierarchy. And you know, we've seen we you know part of the in the little pre meeting that we just had here, we started to talk about maybe some epic fails with the hierarchy thing too. But I wanted to start just a step back from that. I want to start with the perception of leadership, management, executive team level, and then like frontline employee level on the perception of hierarchy. Because, you know, Diana had mentioned it, Bethany had mentioned it in the pre pre little meeting here, how some of us get very, very creative with this idea of hierarchy. And we don't want a traditional org design. We just want like flat. There's not enough people here for us to be able to have this tree design of a, of a, of a hierarchy. We're all one family. If you're into that kind of a thing, we just did a podcast about that a couple of episodes ago. Go, go back and listen to the thoughts on family at work. Um, but, but I think those things very rarely come from employee level. Those things, I think, come from executive level, trying to be trendy or trying to think of the next thing or trying to be, you know, inclusive of their people. Like, I think it comes from that place. But I think, you know, also we've seen this too, those organizations that have very flat hierarchy or org design. Uh, it doesn't take very long for those frontline employees to start asking questions, right? So what are some of those questions maybe some of those frontline employees are asking that may might tip off the organization or us that they need some help with the org design? Like we need a little bit more depth. Like what does an organization with a flat hierarchy maybe sound like or look like? Mary? So you asked a lot of questions there. Pick one, Mary, whichever one you'd like to start with. Awesome. Thanks. So I think um, on the concept of the frontline person that, you know, why, why is this hierarchy so important for a frontline person is because sometimes you'll have people who will put a lead in place and then you'll have like a supervisor and then you'll have a manager and then up, 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 up it goes. But then this lead gives them direction, but then the supervisor comes in and gives them direction, but then the manager might come in and give them direction. And so they really need to know who is their go-to person and who should who should be that person that they should ultimately listen to because as as an employee you want to you want to do a great job naturally you want to enjoy your job naturally and you want to do what other people ask of you but it can get overwhelming when you've got four different people telling you four different things to do yeah and i like i, was, I like that perspective yeah don I always think of the movie Office Space, you know, when you talk about that, right? He always, at the beginning of the movie, you know, the guy's sitting there at work and he's absolutely miserable. You can tell he hates his job and his boss calls him and says, you know, hey, you forgot to put a cover on your TPS report. And then his second boss stops by his desk. Hey, you forgot to put a cover on your TPS report. And then his third boss calls him and says, hey, do you have problems with your TPS reports? You know, and he's just, yeah, I know. I heard this from the first two people. Like, and he talks later, he's like, I've got eight different bosses, like eight different people are my boss. Nobody asked for that. Nobody asked for that, nor do we find it beneficial anywhere. And, and you know, the, the opposite side of that, Don, is we're talking about flat organizations or that flat hierarchy where it's like, yeah, that's right. Nobody wants that. That's why we don't have bosses. 
you know, in, in, you know, we're all just kind of on one level, but the employees do desire that the employees do desire, like who's gauging my success. How do I know I'm successful? Who's giving me feedback when I fail? Who am I supposed to be listening to? Like, am I trying to make you happy? Or are you happy? Like I'm getting orders from multiple different people. And this is why I said, I think for, for a lot of companies that come up with those trendy, maybe hierarchy structures, those are like through some, you know, activity that they did at an executive level. It's like, yeah, let's get creative with this hierarchy. And, you know, sometimes our best advice is maybe we shouldn't get creative with it. Bethany, what were you going to add? Sorry. I was going to add that it's frustrating too, for some of those like pseudo managers too, right? Like, because, you know, sometimes you get into these conversations where it's like, okay, the employee goes to, you know, two, really it's like two levels up or they go to the, maybe the owner of the company to ask for time off when really they should have gone to this other person who's yeah. technically their manager because they like manage their schedule. And so then they're hearing that manager's hearing from the owner and then they're trying to figure out like, well, why didn't they come talk to me? And that person went ahead and gave them the time off. There's other issues there that should be sorted out, but that's just another like symptom of the problem too. When it's sort of like, who's my boss? I, I could go to them or I could go to them. And sometimes I might just go to the person who I think is going to tell me yes versus mm-hmm. the other person that maybe I should, but I don't know. I have the, I have options. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I think that's, I think that's a good thought too. So again, I think, you know, our experience is most, most of the time, even the frontline employees, they want some sort of a definition want some sort of a definition of who, who do I, what's my role, who do I report to and who's grading this success of whether I'm successful or not. And I think you get that from a, a clear, a clear hierarchy uh, there as well. I'm going to throw a question out to you and you all might look at me like deer in the headlights, which is normal in my life with you all sometimes, but I'm going to throw a question, <laughs> throw a question out there as far as the hierarchy, because we've talked about maybe some area or some uh, different methods that, that people use for hierarchy, like the flat or like the, the mushroom cloud. Uh, Diana, you talked about the, one of those, like a circular thing. It's all very circular, but let's talk about maybe the roles. That onion sometimes... chart, not mushroom cloud. That's well, okay. I was like a mushroom cloud isn't around like a circle but you know what i won't say where we started our conversation it's food related it was close onion mushroom whatever whatever listen more than workers if you have some sort of a mushroom cloud hierarchy or design please send that to us because i bet you that exists (laughs) somewhere i bet that is somewhere that that exists somewhere but let me let me say let me say this let's take it a step further into it there with the org design stuff let's talk about maybe some of those roles And again, I'm throwing this to you. We didn't preface this with it, but Bethany just kind of mentioned it. Some sort of a middle manager supervisor role that that has uh, been placed there. But what are some maybe common mistakes as far as hierarchy is concerned or org design is concerned with the roles that organizations create that might be creating confusion right off the bat? Any thoughts on that, Diana? I think one of the most common ones is creating roles based on the people you currently have. So like, Matt, we could build a role specifically designed for you. That would be great. But then if you leave, it's very hard to find someone that does exactly all the things that you do. And so I think a lot of people make the mistake of saying like, well, we have to build a role for Matt instead of saying, here are the roles that our company needs. Here's what we have to build. And then fitting in the people that they have after that. Man, I, I I definitely had that experience earlier today. I was meeting with some some uh, people there, some uh, a group, and I heard from one of the leaders there that that I was asking a question about this employee they were talking about, and I said, "What's their what's their role?" And they said, "Well, I didn't give them the title. So and so gave them the title a while ago. This is their job. 
So that's technically the title of it, but now he doesn't feel like he's getting paid based on that title, but I never gave him that title anyway, but that's the rule, blah, blah, blah. Like he inherited it. Like it's something that I inherited now. And now I'm, now I'm constrained within this whole, I, I can't, I can't change it. I can't move it. It's the role. Now it's, you know, handcuffing me the rest of the way too, which is, you know, exactly what you're talking about too. That's the, that's the opposite. That's the ripple effect of making the hierarchy based off of the people that you currently have right right now. Don, what were you going to add? Yeah, the corollary of Diana's, I think, which also happens is sometimes it's around the individual people. So then what happens is the org chart drifts over time, is you think that's what I had. So that's what I'll create next time, or this is what we need now as we grow. And then you just add parts to the machine. And then you get like, there's an old episode of The Simpsons where Homer Simpson designs a car. And it's this really, really messed up car because all he thinks of, he's like, oh, we should have cup holders. I want more cup holders. I want more place. And he's, <laughs> he just keeps thinking of more things to add to this car. And it just becomes, it doesn't, it's not well-designed. So many times in org charts, it's like, why does that exist? And it's because somebody who was there, you know, five positions ago was in that position. So they designed it a whole, well, that's why that whole department reports underneath this person. And they never took a step back and thought, does that even make sense? Like, is that really what we should do? We're not saying, by the way, that you should not customize job descriptions for individual people. We're just saying that if you go hard that other direction, then you get really weird design. Like there's a hospital that we work with where the CFO also happens to oversee like their cafeteria services. And in that case, normally that wouldn't make sense from that standpoint, but the CFO happens to have a lot of restaurant experience in his history. So that part makes sense for them to do that. The mistake is then if that person, that CFO ever moved on and they didn't change that and they brought a different CFO in that they don't redesign that. And now the, right. the, now the design starts to get weirder and weirder and weirder. It starts to drift. Yeah. They have to have the expectation that this is this unique piece is for this person. So whenever we go to look for a new CFO, whenever that is, we're going to, we might have to, we, we can't make that an expectation for this job. <laughs> that's going to be, you know, flexible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, I think that's great. Any other feedback as far as roles that we put in there think, you know, with maybe the best interest, but then it, we're just kind of setting ourselves up for failure from that moment, Diana. I also see people making a lot of like, I'm going to promote you and change your title because I don't want you to leave mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so then you have like VP, junior VP of, of <laughs> sales product management. And it's like, what does that even mean? And you have 90 VPs and they're all like junior or senior. And you've just done this and added a bunch of layers so that you can promote people and not get them to leave. But now your org chart's super weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. You know, whenever I first was hired uh, by People Center, Don, what was your original title? I was chief innovation officer, chief innovation point. officer. And I, and I remember conversation, Don, I don't know if you remember this, but I was like, what is this? What is the CIO, the chief? And you're like chief innovation officer. And your comment was, that's what happens when you get to create your own title. Yeah. yeah. It was either <laughs> going to be that or master of ceremonies, which we thought chief innovation <laughs> officer sounded more official. Right. And, yeah. I, and I think Diana, you hit the nail on the head. Like sometimes we try to get creative. I need to give them some sort of a promotion, which is going to come with some sort of a, a title uh, change. And sometimes we've seen this too, where the employees again are frustrated at the leadership because it's like, yeah, they get, they hand out title changes like candy like oh you want to be this then yeah let's be that and, and it's it's it gets so far out of whack from the original org design that nothing makes sense nothing makes sense anymore i think it's important to recognize 
the executive team or the executive people are, they think they're coming from a good place. Like, yeah, people like different title changes. People like that, that idea of the, of the title, but you're creating a lot of confusion and frustration for the employees as well. Bethany, where are you going to add? And then I'll throw it to Mary. Yeah, I was thinking about, I think we, we've alluded to it, but we haven't used the, the, this term specifically, but the dotted lines. And uh-huh. so I think it's the, the rules of whenever you're putting dotted lines to people on the org chart. So it's like, they kind of report to this person, but not really. They kind of report to this other person, but then there's a dotted line over here. That's really confusing for people. And so just making sure, because it's it's the idea of I'm giving them sort of a leadership role, but they really have no authority. So it's not helpful for anybody because they still have to go to the other person above them on the org chart. So just and again, and again, if you're finishing that thought, if you're talking to the managers or the executives that put that into place, they're like, yeah, it makes total sense when they're doing this, this, they, it, mm. it, that's for this function that goes here for this, that's for that function that goes there. They almost say it matter of factly. Yeah. But when you talk to the employee, the employee is going like, you know, if you're like, uh, so who gives you the feedback? And you're like, uh, sometimes it's this person. Sometimes it's this person. Um, how do you know you're doing well? What well, depends what I'm doing. Like if I'm doing this, then I have to go over here to this person or to, or to go over here to this person. Like it's very, it's very confusing. It's, and I will just, I don't know, can I say not fulfilling uh, also to the employee? They always feel like they're halfway doing something mm-hmm. and halfway getting feedback. And then you take that to the annual performance review. And it's like, who gives, who gives that to you? Well, this person does, but they get feedback from this person, you know, for the whatever two months that I worked with them, they give them feedback on my yearly performance too. And then I get it all from this person. It's just, man, you are, you are not helping yourself if you are creating many of those uh, or really any of those uh, types of dotted line responsibilities. Mary. Golden nugget check-ins. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah. We talked about whoever does the last two to three months. And then what they do is they, they turn to somebody else who they might've been on a trip with last week. And they're like, Hey, how do you think Mary's been doing? And they're like, Oh, I really just don't like Mary. But then they're like, but I really do. So now I'm conflicted, but okay, let me shift my scores for this one week conversation because we have this one person that maybe has a different opinion of Mary, which has nothing to do with Mary. Right. So when you, when you're not respecting those lines, so I just wanted to, I wanted to throw in that golden nugget check. Yeah, that's great. And we here at people centric can help you with that. Just a little plug, Mm -hmm. but the, but the roles. So (laughs) I want to say this, you might take it out, but slow your role and know your role. <laughs> Why would we take that out? Don says stuff like that all the time. Or know your role and slow your role. One or the other, or both. <laughs> you know, I like it. As, as leadership, executive, management, frontline, frontline, I don't, I don't, I go either way. I respect everybody the same level. Be mindful of who you are and what position that you're in on this chart because if you're an executive or a director, let's say, let's say you're a director of operations and you go to the, you have a report to you that is a a plant manager, let's say. And then that plant manager has like an HR manager that reports to them. And then that HR manager has direct reports to them. But that that director over there goes to the reports of the HR manager and starts making promises and comments about promotions and job changes and job shifts. 
but all these other people don't know anything about it. That doesn't work. So that's a reason we've got this hierarchy in place. You know, that director of operations should be going to that plant manager and saying, hey, I noticed this, throwing it in your court. You're responsible, you're accountable, you own it, go for it. That plant manager goes to the HR manager and says, hey, this has been noticed. What do you think we should do about it? And then maybe they do something or they don't because they might know more information about that person that needs to have some development in an area or that needs to have, or, or that is ready, but maybe for a different promotion. So you, really that hierarchy sets those relationships and that knowledge of who works with who and who needs what for their development plans. Yeah, it's a, the respecting the org chart is like, we use the, the terms like first team and second team a lot. So when you're looking at an org chart, it's like the people who are on the same level, even if they're in different departments, that's one team, right? Like they should all be meeting together at some point within the year, at some level that should be happening so that they can have those kinds of conversations that Mary's talking about. And then those leaders can kind of carry it down from there. So there should be, there should be places for communication built in. And that's how you're, that's how you're honoring that hierarchy. Yeah. That's how you're honoring that hierarchy. I like the way that you put that. There's, there's gotta be, there's gotta be, it's not just the creation of the org design, right? Let's transition maybe to this, to the next step. So let's say for instance, you have an org design. It's by the way, it's not very, it's not uncommon for us to go to an organization and say, do you have an org chart or some sort of an org design? And they have to kind of fumble around to find it or to, to remember where we put that, or yeah, we worked on that a while ago. Most likely it's going to be hard to find and probably out of date. You know, so just just you know, putting that on your radar too to pulse check that. But so let's say you've created the org design, you've you've put in the work for the org design for the for the hierarchy there. You feel like it makes sense, but now there's some other steps that probably need to happen too. There's some other steps that I have to be. I can't just keep that and file it somewhere. Like, how do we approach that? Like, somebody give us one of those maybe tangible steps there. Okay, so I've created it. What do I do with it now? How do I make this live and how do I, uh, you know, how do we hold accountability to it? Like, what do we do? I think it's very important that it's visible. First of all, I think a good org chart should look like an org chart. You know, so I think that that you have to share it with people on a regular basis. It has to be someplace where you can see it kind of like a you are here map, almost like at the mall or something like that. Like it just gives you an idea of where do you sit? Then it goes back to Mary's point before of if you know your roles, you know, then you can know what role you're playing. And um, I think that's I think just the visibility of that's really important. The other part of that is the job descriptions. Right. So I think that the. We, a lot of companies that we see, Matt, like you pointed out, don't have a org chart or they have to go recreate it or go update it before they can give it to us, which, okay, yeah. that's fine. And then we'll say, well, do you have job descriptions? And a lot of them get excited. Yeah, we do. We do have those. And then they have to dig through the files to get at them. The employees haven't seen them in a long time. So I think that in those, that check-in process that Mary talked about, I think it's a good idea to every once in a while pull out those job descriptions and just talk through it and just update it with the employee in mind. If the job description, by the way, is three pages long and ends in and other duties as assigned, that's not clarity. That's just a list of things to do. Really, the, like every employee inside of that hierarchy should know what their job is. They should be very clear about what those roles are that they play. So we tell everybody, we, we highly encourage people in their job descriptions to maybe think about creating a job mission statement for each job. Like what does the in-person, if you could put into one sentence what your job is, what does that look like? 
that's a hard thing for a lot of people to do. And a lot of people are listening to this going right now, like I could never do that. That's impossible for me to do that. One is I push back because a lot of people who have said that are able to do it at the end of the day, if they spend some time doing that. And two, if you really, really can't do it, it might be your job is wonky. That's not designed well. Now, this doesn't mean in one sentence, it picks up all the things like don't do the, the run on sentence. Oh, I do this and I do this and I do this and this and this right. and this. But like, what's the purpose? If you're winning at the end of the day, this is, this is what you're trying to get to. What does the, does the employee know whether they're winning and how they fit into the overall organization? That's the goal of this. The reason we're talking about this, not to do, we're all on kind of our soapbox because we're all passionate about this. You're wondering why are all five of us like super passionate about this topic? It's because there's research that shows that the one thing that you can do, the, the, the biggest impact that you can have on employee engagement inside your organization is actually good role design. It's not that exciting. It's not a thing that everybody gets excited about and thinks, oh, I want to improve my culture, so I better go revisit my org chart. As people don't get excited about that. But the number of problems that occur when it's not good, it has such a negative impact on, org, on the organizational culture. Uh, that's why we're so passionate about talking about it. Yeah. Thanks, Don. Can I, Bethany? Can I add to that? I think it's also because we've just seen success in changing and updating and restructuring organizations. People hate it. I'll just say that when we say like, hey, we think we need a redesign. <laughs> Most people are like, really don't want to do that. <laughs> they just really yeah. don't want to do it. It's usually the complaints of, uh, like I never get to see my boss or I have a really horrible boss or we have no communication um, in our department or blah, 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 blah. Like they're going to name off all these other things and they're not going to name off like, oh, I think we might just need to redesign, redesign our department a little bit and, and restructure it. That's usually not where your head goes first, but mm -hmm. we've seen the success here when, when we talk about this. And that's why we're passionate about it too, because we've seen just making some small changes here and there and and those com the communication all of a sudden is working now and people all of a sudden get to see their boss more and their boss, their manager feels really a lot more empowered because they can talk to all of their employees now and all of these different things. So some of those problems get solved just by restructuring a little bit. Thanks, Bethany. Mary? So posting an org chart, I know some companies don't really like to post an org chart and I don't know enough on that side to understand why they don't like to post an org chart, but here's a couple of things. As an executive or manager or supervisor or lead, whatever, whatever role you're in, get out there and go see your people. There's nothing wrong to go out and say, hi, how are you? Have those conversations with them. Then work through that hierarchy of what those conversations were that occurred to help them out. Unless it's confidential, get your HR department involved. But then on the other side of that, when those are posted and they see that the general manager of this company of a thousand people's name is, I don't know, what name do we use for a general name on here? Acme. Larry Ming. Larry Ming. <laughs> you know, then they know that when Larry Ming goes walking around the floor, they're like, oh, we saw Larry Ming's name as the general manager, now we know who Larry Ming is. That's so cool. So we can have maybe some different conversations with them or, you know, include them with the conversations that we're having with our boss or something. So it ties together those, um, it creates those connections between who, who is who and who does what too. 
Yeah, I, I I appreciate that. Somewhere there's a Larry Ming listening to this going, I can't believe they just used my name on, on here. I like I, I, I just I like, shifted my name. I shifted yeah. my name. That was all I did. So yeah, yeah. That's how I like happened. that thought. And you know, I, I think all three of you, Bethany, Don, Mary, I think you you touched on this too, but I wanted to maybe drive home the point. We're talking about role clarity. I like Mary's getting feedback, you know, from people like, hey, tell me what you do. Like, what do you like about this? Those types of things. I think we just use you know, after the org design, we need to make sure they have role clarity. I think that's kind of true. I think we also need to have role clarity before we do the org design and start putting people into places at the same time, right? I need to understand what it is that they're doing. I also need to ask the question, like, is this still a thing? Maybe it was 10 years ago that we did the org design and now it's like, oh, okay, we're supposed to have somebody in that box. Maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're that that line is not as important. Talking to bosses now, if you lost this person, is that a person that you would need to automatically replace? No. In fact, that job has kind of dwindled over the years. Great. That's that makes us smarter now to be able to help uh, create a better org design, not only for us, but set that future employee up for success too, instead of putting them into a box that I don't necessarily need. Right. Yeah. So Don. It's really, I love that point because if you draw out, so like, here's a tip, like draw your org design, like draw it, put it out on a piece of paper. And if something looks weird on it, or you think, well, how do I draw this? Like, cause it doesn't, I got to do, I got to use a dotted line or I have to put a box off to the side, or I have too many people to fit on here or whatever that thing is, whatever those odd points are, those are probably actual problems in your organization. Uh, we were working with a hospital recently and uh, Bethany just asked for the org chart and got the org chart and looked at the org chart and found like four different odd things on the org chart. There were a variety of things. One was like a dotted line kind of report. One, it just didn't make sense which teams reported underneath one area. They were all stuff that you could see from the org chart, somebody from outside the organization. And Bethany, when we met with the CEO said, hey, I'd like to talk to this team, this team, this team, and this team. And the CEO said, wow, how did you pick those four teams? Because those were the four teams that just scored like the lowest on our engagement surveys. And, and Bethany said, those are just the four things that look the wonkiest on the org chart. And it's like, it's so, I mean, it's so powerful. Like it, it, your organization is perfectly designed to get the results that you're currently getting. And if you have a direct report with six, you know, or you have a supervisor with 64 direct reports, they, they can't manage 64 people. Or yeah. if we've got a dotted line where we've got, you know, this, I've got three bosses. I, I report to five different departments. Or I kind of report to this one, kind of report to this one. It doesn't make sense. Thanks, Don. Mary? Good luck. That was all I wanted to say. <laughs> if that's that's the case, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> you know, you know, one of the one of the things that I maybe let me throw this out there because a lot of the content so far that we've been talking about is okay, what are, what do I need to think about as I'm creating this, or how do I want to then relay it? And maybe you're you're listening, going, I don't have anything to do with it. Like I pretty much just do what I'm told. And you know that whole thing with the dot of responsibility or the three bosses. Yep, that's my life. That's what I do. So I guess let's talk to the employee level here for just, just a moment here. So if I'm an employee that doesn't have role clarity, or I feel like I have three bosses or, you know, things like that, in those situations we've talked about, like, what can I do about it if I'm that employee? I think sometimes frontline employees underestimate the impact they can have here. You think, well, I don't have any control over this, but I really do think if you have a discussion with your supervisor a little bit about the challenges that you're seeing with that. And the way you have it's really important side note. Yeah. I think you can really open up some discussion. If there's a missing piece, 
in the in the team if there's a missing part if it's if it's unclear about what the expectations are if there's competing expectations i think you can bring those up and actually be a catalyst for change the trick is not to bring it up as, as like i'm complaining you know you guys designed this chart wrong way and now i'm that the you know it's don't bring it up that way bring it up and just say hey i'm observing this front line and i was wondering like if could we work together to find some solutions for this or can we work together to clarify this? Or it would really help me help you more if we could clarify my role a little bit more. It's that kind of an approach that I think you could take and really make a big impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you can ask those questions of, hey, I feel like I'm reporting to three people, but I'm really, I just need to figure out like, who is ultimately measuring my success? And like, can we talk through the expectations of my role a little bit? Cause I wanna make sure that I'm, that, that I'm helping the company win um, and, and knowing how I contribute to that success. So I think that's one thing. I think you can ask questions like, hey, would it be possible for me to see the, the org chart if I've never seen it? That would help me understand how the organization is set up and just the workflow and the bigger picture. I've had, there's an organization that we're working with right now that's a pretty large uh, company and there's several new leaders that have been hired within, to the, within the organization that um, I'm coaching right now now. And I've heard multiple of them ask the same question of like, man, it would be really cool. It would be really good if we could see the org chart or have some, some understanding of the bigger picture of how this, this company is set up. And so we just, we kind of brought it up and, and I've encouraged them to ask about it too, but we've brought it up to, to their bosses and, and they were like, oh yeah, of course, we'll try to build that into, to the onboarding process a little bit more. So I, I don't even know that people are always, um, resistant to it. I think that sometimes we just don't think about it. Um, so be willing to ask the question. I think even if you are listening to this and you have three bosses and I'm thinking about like jobs that I've had where I've had two or three bosses before, if sometimes if you go to your boss and say like, I, you know, it's really difficult for me to have three different people who is really setting my expectation. I could see my boss saying, well, really all three of us are, I could see that answer coming forward. So then maybe your response isn't, well, I listened to this podcast and they said, don't do that. So you've messed that up. Like, sure, sure. Pass on the podcast to your boss. That's fine. That's a good idea. But really what you could do then is say, then can I make sure that you might want to meet with those three different bosses and make sure those expectations are really clear from the three of them. And then maybe sit down with your primary boss, because you probably have one that you think is a primary boss and say, look, I've been collecting the expectations and here's all three sets of expectations because you may be able to show whether there's conflict in those expectations, because oftentimes there is, or you might be able to have a really good conversation where your boss can help prioritize a little bit where, how do you meet those different expectations? Thanks, Don. Mary? Yeah, so piggyback on that two ways. One, I'll start, if you're, if you're looking for a new job and you're going through an interview process, ask who approves my PTO, who does my check-ins or my performance review and who sets my expectations. <laughs> and if you get three different answers, right. You can decide from there, <laughs> but piggybacking on what, on what Don said was if you are going into a company and you're not quite sure of the hierarchy role going in and just sitting down and maybe have creating your own check-ins as that frontline person, go in and have your own check-ins. Like he said, and say, okay, I'm going to meet with a, you know, person, a person, B person, C, and talk about what the expectations are. And then at the end, my even, you know, I know because sometimes it's scary, but get everybody in a room and say, I've met with the three of you. I have three different sets of expectations. I want to prioritize this and I want to do a great job for you in the company. Can you help me do this? And then they might be like, 
oh, you know, sometimes they, sometimes people just don't think of things until they're made aware of those situations. So just because something's happening doesn't mean it was intentional to happen. So don't be afraid to bring it up and have those conversations because those can really make big adjustments, not for you, but for the other people too. I love that. When I was at 3M, we recognized, we did capital projects and I recognized that we were doing this across multiple areas, multiple plants for different divisions. And we were trying to roll up capital forecasting every year. And I recognized like, nope, like we were all kind of in charge of it. So therefore nobody was. So I went to my boss one year and I said, would it be helpful if I just kind of coordinated our efforts across our major division on the capital piece? And he said, yeah, that would, if you want to help, that would be great. And you'd be good at that. And I could see that help for that. And I said, okay, well to do that, like you need to officially make me in that position. And so we created like a coordinator position. And so it actually did change my job title and it gave me a little asterisk on the, on the org chart. I put it on my resume, no big deal. I don't like to brag about it, but uh, it was this idea so that would let everybody know, Hey, whenever we're coordinating this, Don's going to be reaching out to everybody on the capital forecast to pull all this information together. And then it really opened up the communication then to our partners in the division who, the, who was a vice president who could then communicate directly with me. And it really improved our process. And then my boss noticed that it improved the process too, which then of course helped me out too. So again, I think if you bring those opportunities uh, forward and, and do it in a framework of it's willing to help the company and the organization, I think you can make a lot of impact as a frontline employee. All right. So, wow. Hierarchy feels like we've covered this topic from top to bottom. You know, Zing. <laughs> Zing. Uh, I've been waiting seven minutes to say that. You know. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's go around here as we wrap up. I think we've, we've talked about a, a lot of different angles uh, from this as well. So let's go ahead and give uh, maybe that last piece of advice or maybe best practice for whomever you would like to start with uh, Diana. Yeah, I was going to say the times in my career where I have been the most frustrated or felt like I couldn't do what I wanted to do or felt stuck are the times when my role was unclear. It was times when I'd been promoted without really being promoted. It was times when I had two bosses. It was times when I had picked up other jobs and other roles, but none of that was really clarified. And so I think if you are feeling stuck, if you are frustrated, if you do feel like you're unable to make the impact that you want to make, I would encourage you to think about your job mission like Don was talking about and talk to your supervisors like Mary was talking about and really get that clarity because every time in my career I've been that frustrated, it is due to this lack of clarity in a role. Yeah, ask the question. I think good good leaders are are open to that conversation. So thanks, Diana. Who's next? Bethany. Um, this is more of a comment. I'm trying to figure out what direction I'm going to go here. More of a comment. But I was thinking with this, you know, the military has had a very clear hierarchical structure for many a year. And it's worked really well for them for a reason. And I they've stuck with it. And I think that's kind of just telling in terms of like, if we're going to try to sell this to you. I don't know, maybe, maybe look into that. It's, it's worked well for them. And so I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that. Yeah. That is, that is the opposite of a flat organization uh, in the military. There's a very clear leader. Yeah. That's great. Thanks, Bethany. Don. Yeah. So probably with the ones I, so I have three of them and this okay. is really rude for Mary. Who's going to go next because she has to figure out how to work her way through this part. Now <laughs> I try to give you some space, Mary, to jump in. 
but <laughs> I mean, one is some of the, so I'm, I'm going to give you three rules. Rule number one, everyone has one boss and they know who that boss is. Okay. So that leads to rule number two, which means no dotted lines. So no dotted lines. Now, why do we have dotted lines? We have dotted lines because somebody owns a process. That's not what we're talking about. Don't try to mix up hierarchy with process. I may run a project. When I was a project engineer at 3M, I ran a project. I had autonomy, large autonomy over that project. And there were times when other engineers who were higher levels than me would be working for me under that project. That does not require a dotted line on the org chart. That just requires clear roles and responsibilities. So that's what we're, the other thing we're talking about. Third thing, and something we haven't really talked about, but would have hinted on is the idea of title discipline. I would have some job title discipline. I would create some like, what does a manager mean? Supervisor mean? Director mean? Vice president mean? Don't hand out titles like candy to everybody because that creates a lack of clarity. If you have good discipline where a director means something or a vice president means something or a supervisor means something, that helps everybody to understand pretty quickly what a person's role is without being able to see their job description. Thanks, Don. That's great. Mary. Like the only thing I could come up with was like, What's the name of a dog that does magic tricks? What? The Labra Abracadoodle. Wow. Here's <laughs> where your brain went. Okay. That's great. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. So I can see everybody put pen to paper immediately. Wow. I think everybody's like, okay, dead joke for the day. Got it. <laughs> but it's one of those titles, though. We're talking about that, how we could create titles. We can make create a title if it fit a thing, right? We can get creative with that. And it's also confusing. I still don't know what it is you're talking about right? because the okay. title is confusing. So I, I just second Diana's. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. I'm just losing it over there. I love it. Um, yeah, that's good. No, so I, I would mimic what everybody says, but just have respect for the chart. Have respect for the chart. Have respect for the people. So just be mindful of that. I have, I've seen a lot of people jump around in their reporting structures and it's create, it has created toxicity within oh, yeah. that organization and it has burned people and people have left because of those situations occurring. So have some respect. Everybody's human, you know, give a little bit of grace and uh, have good conversations with good intent, but, but don't set people up to, to make them want to go away. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Mary. That's great. Um, I would say just, you know, we were talking about the different roles that we put in that are kind of setting people up for failure. It seems like over the last few weeks, I've even heard more of this, but uh, yeah, I'm a floater. The floater role. I, I, I'm in and out of many different departments doing many different things. In fact, sometimes I don't know what it is I'm going to do until I get to work that day. Then they tell me where to go and, and who I'm working for and what I'm doing and those things. That's really, it's, it's never, I've never had that conversation with the floater and they're like, and it's amazing. I've never had that. It's always confusing or frustrating. Uh, I, I can't plan anything because I never know what I'm going to be doing. You know, and at the end of the day, you're, if you're a manager, I don't want, I don't necessarily want people 
like that. I want them to know what we're doing and I want them to help me do those things, but we don't do a great job of setting those floaters up for success uh, there too. So think about, think about that maybe in your role design as well. So hopefully this was beneficial. Hopefully you took, again, our goal is to be able to take something from this that you can implement almost immediately, nearly immediately there. If you have other topics for to throw out to us that you'd like to hear us speak on, we are open to that as well. Diana, how can they get a hold of us? You can email us directly at more than work at peopleccg.com, or you can follow us on any of the social media and ask questions there. Our handles are either at peoplecentric or at peopleccg, depending on the platform, but you can find us. Yeah. And there are people that take advantage. I know you might be sitting there going like, uh, I'm not going to email and it's just going to get lost and all of that. Like they don't really care. No, we do. We do care. We'll totally respond to you and give you our, our thoughts there. Or if you want to have a phone call to follow up on any of the conversations we have, uh, you know, we're probably more than happy to do that too. So anyway, I uh, hope you enjoyed this again, share our podcast with your friends, go do great things. Thanks for being here. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time, and in the meantime, lead well.